1: Good morning. Today's reading is taken from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift them up. You ancient doors, that is the King of glory, may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he's the King of glory.
0: Luke 2 verses 22 to 14. By the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed. a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be the sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Good morning, my name is David Day and I worship here at St Nick's. Well, the pandemic goes on and on and we wonder when it will end. This month maybe? Or will Easter come in the middle of August this year? I'm hearing the phrase, the end of the tunnel, rather a lot, but people are still not being over optimistic. It reminds me of Churchill's words in the middle of the war. You remember he said, now this is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. But meanwhile, how do we survive? Well, this week I've been doing a lot of reading and watching television. What's new, you may say. And the television is full of human interest stories, tales of amazing courage and desperate tragedy. This is how we cope, stories. The Magazines gamely try to get us through by making us laugh. Make marmalade like Liz, says one. Join a mystery book club, says another. De-bobble your jumper. The colour supplement helps you identify men in the time of Covid, which means you can spot different kinds of men. There is grow a moustache man. There's wear shorts all the time man. There's long haired man, otherwise known as haircut man. There's seriously considering keeping chickens man. Then I saw an interview with a researcher who said people are getting stretched tighter than ever before. An expert on intensive care was asked for a snapshot of the situation and he paused for what seemed an enormous time. And then he said, you run out of superlatives. And the papers speak of anxiety, insomnia, depression and fear. Angela Tilby, a Christian journalist, writes of a a listless boredom, a sense of being confined and shut in, and talks of this endless horizon of more of the same. And then at the end, she says, the danger is that grief can become grievance so that we look for people and things to blame. We punch outwards to conceal the sadness inside. So how do you survive in the lockdown? As we struggle with all of this, we come to our reading, the one about Mary and Joseph, Anna and Simeon. Their situation wasn't all that marvelous either. To live in Israel at that time wasn't all beer and skittles. At the time of Jesus' birth, the national memory included slavery, deportation, exile in foreign lands, the destruction of the holy city and its temple, and now the heavy weight of the Roman yoke, taxation which crippled the poor, a king who thought nothing of killing babies or his own sons if it came to it. And any day of the week, a Roman soldier carrying his pack could stop you in the street and make you carry it. Those who defied the authorities risked flogging or being nailed to a cross. They lived in an occupied country and a Roman boot on your throat. It was no fun living in Israel in the time of the Caesars and the Herods. And Interestingly Luke's Gospel speaks of two catchphrases which caught the mood. The first one is people were longing for the consolation of Israel, consolation. We're in pain, we're weeping, we're grieving, we're mourning, we need someone to console us. And the other phrase was the redemption of Israel. The redemption, the picture behind the word, is slavery. So here are people saying we're chained up, we're at the bottom of the pit, we are desperate for freedom. Is there anyone who can get us out of this? They would know in those days what lockdown meant. The word says it all. So uh, what can their story teach us? Well, first, it's a story full of people doing the thing that lies to hand. Do you find that an odd phrase? Uh, Even as I said, it brings back the first time I heard it. Many years ago I came to what might have been, and I thought was, a turning in the road. There was a good chance that life was going to go off in a different direction. Well, it didn't happen and I went into a period of feeling baffled about the future and puzzled about what I ought to do now. And one week I went to a conference and found myself sitting next to an elderly Roman Catholic lady at lunch and in the course of conversation, as you do, I let out a tiny bit of where I was and that I had no idea where to go next. And she said, when you have no clear idea of where God is calling you and no idea where to go next, do the thing that lies to hand. Do the thing that lies to hand. The future may be a complete mystery, but there will be the ordinary tasks which go with being a Christian. Do those while you're waiting for God to speak. Now, I'd not really heard this before, but it seemed to me at the time, and still does, first-class advice, as if it had come from the mouth of God, which it probably had. Here are people in our story who long for the consolation of Israel, and they don't see it but they do the thing that lies to hand. What do I mean? You can imagine Mary saying to Joseph, well, the angel told me my child was the Messiah, but how do you start bringing up the Messiah? And Joseph said, well, perhaps we should give him a name and we should get him circumcised because he is Jewish. And so they do. What's next, says Mary, and Joseph says, a trip to Jerusalem. You ought to go through your purification service, and we ought to present Jesus to God, because he's our first child. Okay, says Mary. And that's what they do. Doing the thing that lies to hand. And then there's Simeon. Years back God had told him that he would one day see the Messiah. In fact he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah. So Simeon is the man who waits. A typical day in the life of Simeon is going to the temple and look at the couples bringing in their babies to the priests. In the end he gets like a child on a car journey all the time saying are we there yet? Not yet says God and Simeon keeps coming. He gets the nickname Carry On Simeon. And along with that, the Bible says he is righteous and devout, which is the Bible's way of saying that he worshipped God faithfully and treated people properly. He does, in other words, he does the thing that lies to hand. And then there's Anna. You know Anna, the old biddy who hangs about the temple all the time. Sad life. Husband died mm, 60 years ago. And she's 84 now and ready for the vaccination. 60 years on her own, all alone, deserted. But she's always in the temple, worships day and night, fasting, praying, and using her gift of prophecy and she belongs to a spiritual support group of godly women all waiting for the consolation of Israel and doing the thing that lies to hand and then there's us waiting for the consolation of Britain and the redemption of our land and there will be something that lies to hand in some form or another We can still worship and praise God. We can still hear him speaking to us in his word in the Bible, provided we read it. We can continue talking to God as Jesus said, pray, always pray and never lose heart. We can go on connecting with other Christians to build up the fellowship and give everyone the feeling that they're not forgotten. And there can still be acts of generosity. It's an odd thing, but for some people, there may be a bit more money washing about in the bank account because of the pandemic. Because there are people and causes which would welcome a gift. And then there's those random acts of kindness when the moment just pops up Absolutely unexpectedly. Uh, this week I read a little piece by Jan McFarlane, who used to be here in Cranmer um, and was former Bishop of Repton, now doing her bit. And she writes about today. She says uh, traffic control, talking to nervous patients, serving tea and coffee to NHS staff, encouraging folk to come and see us in more normal times. Wiping down chairs. Best day's work I've done in ages. And it's signed from Liverpool, uh, Litchfield Cathedral, Vaccination Vaccination Clinic, Beacon of Hope. Do the thing that lies to hand. That's the first thing this story tells us. But there's more to this story than that. As people went about their ordinary business, there were many who held within them the dream, who were treasuring in their heart precious promises. They had a strong feeling that God will come good, that he's at work, that the way we are now is not the end of his purposes, that lockdown is not the last word. There's Anna, one day, a Monday pretty much like all the other Mondays, she encounters this poor family with a newly born and suddenly she knew, down the long years of solitary faithfulness, doing the thing that lies to hand, but this day stopped in her tracks by an encounter with God, and her heart being full, she bursts out into praise and ran to a small group of faithful women who worshiped the Lord and told them that the waiting is over and the Messiah has come. The Simeon faithfully hanging on to the promise, I will see the Messiah and then I shall be free to die Some people think he is longing to die, dying to die, you might say, like a leaf on the back of the hand, as one poem puts it. The Bible suggests that he's not like that. He's still keeping an open mind and an expectant spirit, but the years creep by and there's no word from the Lord. Except one morning he wakes up and feels, today's gonna be a good day. And he feels the spirit nudge him and say, go to the temple today. And he went to those familiar courts and hung around watching the little groups of family, each with their beloved bundle, the new son or daughter. And suddenly, this is the moment. The time is fulfilled. It is this family. No, not this one, the one third down the queue. This is the Messiah. And full of confidence, he goes forward and to the great surprise, the great surprise of Mary and Joseph, takes the baby in his arms. Now I can go in peace. I've been a faithful watchman all these years. And today the night is over, and the dawn has come. Today I have seen God's salvation. He will bring light to thousands who are in darkness. He will be the glory of Israel, and I can go in peace. Sorrow may endure the night, but joy comes in the morning. Do the thing that lies to hand. But don't let go of the promise.
0: Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham Podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnix.org.uk